0: Alright, so, uh, let's pray. Uh, and we'll get rock and rolling. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for uh, loving us, Lord. Uh, Lord, uh, most people wouldn't do this, Lord, but I thank you for what's going on in our country uh, because uh, I know that you've got a purpose in it. Uh, God, you know the end of the story. And so everybody else is trying to to wonder why you would allow this to happen and wonder why uh, what's happening. And uh, uh, God, it's because you've got a purpose in it. And so I thank you for it, Lord. And I do pray that you would allow us to stay safe through it uh, and that we would hear you loud and clear because uh, the longer we continue to kick against it, the longer it's going to be around. And so uh, if that means we need to to hunker down at home or if that means well, whatever that means, God, uh, I pray that, that we would get the message uh, and that we would uh, just be serious about it. So, Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to us today, whether it be in person or virtually, uh, that you would get the honor uh, and the glory, Lord. I, I know the, the Roman study is going to look a little different. Uh, It's going to feel a little different, but uh, I do still want this to be uh, a class interactive kind of thing. I still do want to hear your thoughts on uh, how things are going. And so, Lord, I do pray that you would just uh, remove me out of the way. That you would speak to us today out of Romans chapter four, uh, and that you would just get the honor and the glory, Lord. I pray for uh, Lauren's uh, family. Uh, I don't, I don't so much pray for her great grandmother because uh, she's in a better place than all of us, Lord. But I do pray for comfort to the family, uh, Lord. I pray for um, just just everything that's going on. There's there's just a, a ton, and so, God, I pray that you would just be about the details, uh, Lord. I pray for the. Um, the the leadership of this church as we continue to meet uh, almost daily to try to make wise decisions uh, for Your body. Lord, I pray for... Uh, just the body of, of Christ here that we would just continue to rally around um, the church, Lord, and, and this is a really good time for us to show that we're not a building, uh, but we're a body. Uh, and really this time is gonna show how much we are serious about being the body and not a building. And so God, I do pray that we uh, we pass the test here because uh, if not it's really gonna reveal our heart. And so God, I pray you just speak to us today in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so um, what's that? I thought the board Yes, chapter four. We've missed a few weeks. You missed a few weeks. Uh, I thought we in chapter five. No, she <laughs> thought we'd be in chapter five. You're out of your mind, Chris. Uh, no, no, not chapter five. We are going to start Romans chapter four today, and so I did. Um, I did give you guys the the task because it's still not homework, even though you're staying at home. It's still just task, not homework. Uh, of going ahead and reading chapter four. And trying to get some main points out of it. And so, um, I I can already tell you how this is going to work, but I'm going to try anyway. Uh, If you kind of saw something out of chapter 4 this week as you were studying it, um, because I know that's what you were worried about. You didn't have the TV on. You weren't worried about uh, everything else. You were studying your Bible the whole time, right? Right? I'm sure. Uh, did anybody get anything kind of out of Chapter Four that they want to just type in the comment line? That it's just like, hey, uh, this is something that popped out to me. And so, if so, uh, I'm gonna, you know, have Paige relay it to me because I can't read the comments as I teach, and and we'll kind of address them. But anyway, uh, as a way of quick review, because I do want to uh, continue to uh, move forward. Obviously, we spent, you know, three and a half chapters. Uh, yes. Well, two and a half chapters, yeah, two and a half chapters, not three and a half, so uh, Two and a half chapters of Paul basically getting everybody on the same playing field. And I kind of reviewed that a couple weeks so I don't want to spend too much time. So he got he has everybody on a level playing field. And then so last week we came in um, before the world went crazy, right? Last week it was a toilet paper joke. Now it's uh, it's a little more serious. Although I still don't know why toilet paper is selling out. But if somebody could type that in the comment line and allow me to understand that. Like I don't know. I Everything I've read, that's not a side effect of this. But I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Uh but anyway, we got into last week uh, kind of where Paul changes his tune, the second part of Romans chapter 3. And he says, hey, there's some things that I finally got you all in one place at one time. Now let's talk about salvation for a minute. That's really what he, that's really what he broke it down into. He said, I want to show you some things uh, that maybe you didn't see before. And so we broke down uh, basically these statements or these comments uh, that Paul had made. I think there were ten of them if I remember right. Um, it shows you how much uh, I pay attention in class. But I believe there were like 10 of them where uh, basically the, the statements that Paul made that really he got from Christ uh, that really changed your life, right? And so. Uh, it kind of just really broke it down. Well, here, it's really easy for me to look. Let me just tell you what they were. I'll just read them to you really quick, right? So there were a few of them, uh, right? There were ten phrases that Christ used to change your life forever, right? And so it was the righteousness of God by faith, and justified by his grace, and redemption in Christ Jesus, and propitiation through faith in his blood, right? A lot of really big words, and we had to break down what those things meant. Declare his righteousness, remission of sins, forbearance of God, justifier of him who believes, the law of faith, and justified. By faith, so he, he talked about all those things, and so his tune really changed. Instead of condemning the world, just like at the flip of a switch, he's like, "But, right? It's funny how you have to pay attention to the buts in the Bible, right? Uh, too often, well, I'm not even gonna say that. Uh, you have to pay attention to the buts in the Bible because things changed. And he's like, "But now that you're all in the same boat, that you're all, you're like all on the uh, the fast track to hell, but." there's some hope. And so he gave a little hope and then we get to Romans chapter 4. And so Romans chapter 4 it's well I don't I don't really know how to how to tell you other than it's hard to It's hard to teach, it's hard to outline Uh, Romans chapter 4, some of the the chapters really outline themselves Romans chapter 4 is kind of hard And so it's kind of more of a monologue What? It is a little tricky The HBI people are like, yeah, I just had to turn an outline in Thanks for that Uh, um, That was for you, Brady Uh, Excuse me Uh, No, sorry, that was not a CDC I was supposed to cough into my elbow, sorry, my bad Uh, I'm trying Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll sanitize it when I'm done. Uh, Romans chapter 4. So he breaks down at the end of chapter 3, there's some good news. But then he gets to chapter 4 and he's like, okay, so if you remember at the end of chapter 3, there was a statement that we didn't spend a lot of time on in, chapter, uh, in verse 30 of chapter 3. It says, Seeing it is of one God, which shall justify the circumcision, meaning the Jews, right, uh, by faith, and the uncircumcision, meaning anybody who's not a Jew, through faith. All right, so that's what he talks about. So, it was the by faith, through faith thing. You have to go back and, and get that, right? Because we, uh, as the church, through grace, uh, we are saved through faith, right? Uh, it is the fact that it, there's nothing that we can do. It is uh, by grace alone, grace alone through faith alone. It's nothing that we can do, right? Everybody understands that fact. But honestly, and we're going to get into this some today because Paul's like, I kind of thought that statement might confuse somebody. So, I'm going to take some time to, to explain it. Even in the Old Testament... They were saved by faith, right? It wasn't by works like everybody thinks. It was by faith. Now, it wasn't through faith like we are. We're saved through faith, through Christ alone. They were saved by faith. By faith in what? Well, that's what Paul's like. I had a feeling you might ask. And so he already knew that that statement right there was going to offend some Jews. It was going to kind of... You know they were already had their feathers all ruffled up if you'll remember from the end of chapter two and the beginning of chapter three, but he's like I know that that's not going to quite sit well, and so he's like I've got to use an illustration. He, I, I just basically broke everybody down into the same boat. Everybody's broken, and then I gave him some hope that everybody can be saved, and then he's like, but I already know that by saying everybody can be saved through faith, right? It's all by faith through faith that that kind of Threw up some red flags, right? There are there should be some things that if you hear somebody teach and they say certain things, right, that, that it should throw up a red flag. Right? If somebody is teaching nowadays and they throw out um, the phrase Calvinism, right, that should throw up a red flag. If they throw out the phrase uh, um, really work salvation, that should throw up a red flag. There are certain things that should throw up a red flag in your life. Well, this right here, by Paul saying everybody can get saved, You know, by faith or through faith, it threw up some red flags to the Jews. And Paul's like, okay, I already knew this was going to happen. Why didn't he know that was going to happen? Because Paul was a Jew, right? He was a very unique individual. He was all Jew. He was all Roman. Uh, He was uh, all sent by Christ. He was was really unique, and that's why God used him the way that he did. So Paul's like, okay, I already know that, that right there. That one sentence, that one phrase is going to cause some problems. So I need an illustration. That's what Paul saying. He's like, I've got to come up with a way that I can illustrate this thing to where the Jews are going to understand it. I need something that they're going to get. Oh, wait, I have the perfect example. I'm going to use Abraham. I'm going to use Abraham because Paul was like the Jew of the Jews. And you know what they, the Jews like to claim? Oh, Father Abraham, right? We've got songs about it, right? When the, when the E-Wing was open, we used to dance around, you know, the Father Abraham song with the kids marching behind us. And he's like, the Jews, this is their battle cry, Abraham. That's who I'm going to use, right? So Paul says, Abraham's who I'm going to use. So let's just get into this. So here's what I have for you today. Oh, excuse me. Five ways... Father Abraham teaches us about our salvation. And I already know you're like, wait a minute, I'm not a Jew, so how's that having to do with me? Well, I'm glad you asked, and I'm glad you're here because that's what I'm going to tell you. Five ways Father Abraham teaches us about our salvation. Romans 4, 1 to 17. So let's just jump in this. Let me read the first five verses, and we'll get into this. Romans chapter four and verse one says, "What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found?" He, he's like, I already know what you're going to ask, and let me just jump right into this. For Abraham, I'm sorry, verse two. For if Abraham were justified by works, he had whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believes God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is not the reward reckoned of grace, but of debt. Verse five But unto him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth ungodly, his faith is counted for him. I'm sorry, his faith is counted for righteousness. So here's the first way that Father Abraham is going to teach you about even your salvation today, and it's not just yours, because the Jews get saved the same way that we do. Now, don't misunderstand me, the Jews that get saved get saved the same way that we do. Most of them just don't, right? Uh, So here's your first thing uh, in the first five verses. Salvation has always been and will always be by faith. Salvation has always been and will always be by faith. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, wait a minute. Didn't they have to do some works back in the Old Testament? Well, we're going to get there, right? Uh, But here's kind of a statement that will help make this uh, a a little more pointed for you. Salvation in any dispensation, now it's a really fancy word for time frame. Dispensation, if you've been to D2, it's just a fancy word uh, for time frame, a period of time from this time to this time. Salvation in any dispensation in time is always the same. Wait a minute, that's different than what I've always been taught. Well, you've been taught wrong. (laughs) Just telling you, right? Uh, It's always the same. It's always by faith. Salvation is always by faith. Salvation is always linked to believing... Now hear this, because this is important. Salvation is always linked to believing what God said enough to do it. It's believing what God said enough to do it. So what does that mean? It means that Abraham, because we're using Abraham as an example, or anybody else in the Old Testament, they believed God enough to do what He said. What's the final thing? What's the title again? Five ways Father Abraham teaches us about our salvation. Five ways Father Abraham teaches us about our salvation. Was this the first point? The first point is salvation has always been and will always be by faith. Okay. Uh, Abraham, just like anybody else in the Old Testament, they believed what God said enough to do it. God said, this is what I'm going to do, and they did it. What does that mean? That means the sacrifices in the Old Testament that were to cover their sin... It wasn't the fact that the sacrifice covered their sin. It was a picture. It was the fact that they believed God enough that if they did it, it would cover their sin. Does that make sense? If they would have done the sacrifice and said, this blood does nothing for me, then that blood would not have done nothing for them. But it's the fact that they believed what God said enough that it was going to do it. Fast forward to the New Testament, to you, to grace, it's no different. Somebody shared the gospel with you and you heard it, and you believed what God said enough to do it, to simply bow your knee. You didn't just bow your knee because it was like, well, these other people are doing it. It sounds like a good idea. No, that's, that's what non-Christians don't do. But you believed what God said enough to say, I can't do it on my own. And I'm going to do it. That is what faith is. It is always believing what God says enough to do it. Right? That's what it's talking about. In verse 2 it says, For for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. He's like, if he was justified by works, he would have something to boast about. And guess what? I hate to burst your bubble, but it doesn't matter what you do. You ain't got nothing to boast about to God. Nothing at all. There's a difference between justification of works and justification of faith. Now, I just said something. and I don't think you heard it. There's a difference between justification in works, and justification to faith. Let me let me uh, show you something here. Now I know we don't do this a lot because I like to stay on point. But flip over in your Bibles to the book of James. If you at home don't have your Bibles out, shame on you. Get them out, right? This ain't no Philip Few sitting around watching church in your boxers, right? Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, the book of James. I want to show you something. Um, I got to find it first. James chapter two. Let me read you something. James chapter two and verse twenty-one. It says, "Was not Abraham?" Oh, well, look, we're talking about Abraham again. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Now you might just say, "Well, that's a contradiction to what you were just saying in Romans, Jason." Well, I'm glad you said that because you know I like to, I like to show you something. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he offered Isaac his son upon the altar, verse twenty-two. Seest thou how faith wrought in his works, and by works was made faith uh, made perfect? Verse twenty-three. And the Scripture was fulfilled, which said, "Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness," and he was called the friend of God. There's a difference between justification of works and justification of faith. You might say, well, it just said that Abraham was justified by his works. No, no. I said he was justified by his works when he offered Isaac. Not That's not when God said he was imputed to him for righteousness, right? The things that he did after his quote-unquote salvation... Those things are by works. No different than the things that you do in your life after your salvation, working in the ministry, holding babies, working in the sound booth. You might be like, we can't do any of those things now. Ministry's just off the books. Well, let me just tell you right up front ministry's not off the books. Ministry's going to look different, right? Church is going to look different. Ministry still goes on, right? And so you need to find out what God's trying to tell you it's time for you to do. Right, and, and I do want to say this. I don't want you guys to think that this is permanent. This is not permanent. As soon as we can, we're going to be back in here together. And we're going to come back together. And honestly, I hope that this renews uh, our faith in the body of Christ in this building. Right, I hope that it makes us appreciate even more the fact that we do. Because I think... As Americans, I did. I take it for granted the fact that I get to get up on Sunday morning, drag my butt around, and come to church and hang out with a bunch of uh, like-minded Jesus freaks, right? I take it for granted. And it's just like, what's well, something I get to do? Well, there's people in other parts of the world don't get to do that. And so uh, this already, already has made me think, wow, I think I was taking it for granted. So when this is done... Right, because it will be done, the world isn't ending, right? I don't mean to like give you a spoiler alert, but this isn't gonna be what what ends the world, okay um, when we come back together, I pray that you do appreciate the body of Christ just a little bit more, right being able to come together so anyway, back to my point, there's a difference between justification of faith and justification of work. you're justified by faith when you believe what God said. you're justified by faith when you say. God says that and, and okay, I believe it enough to do it. You're justified by works in the sight of men. What? Yeah, you're justified by works in the sight of men. What does that mean? It means that the justification of works is simply for the people around you to see. Well, God doesn't respect my works? No, God doesn't need any of your works, right? You need to understand that. God does not need your works. He'll use your works, but He doesn't need them. God desires for you to be in the ministry. But you know what it's for? It's for the younger believer, for the believer who is lacking faith, to say, man, I I want to have faith like that guy. I want to be as involved as that guy. Not that we want to be like other people, but we want to be like Paul is in 1 Corinthians 11. Follow me as I follow Christ. right? I don't want you following me, but if you are going to follow me, it better be that you're looking past me, over my head, over here, and seeing Christ. Because if I stumble... I want you to be the first one to walk right over the top of me and continue following Christ. You're not going to stumble and follow me, right? And so that's the whole point. You are justified by works in the sight of men, and that's okay. We do good works. We should do good works, right? Those are the things that we will bring to Christ at the, at the the judgment seat of Christ as believers, right? And those are the things that if we did them in our flesh, they're all going to burn up. They're going to be wood, hay, and stubble. But if we did them for Christ, those are gold, silver, and precious stones. right? The Word of God and the souls of men. Those are the things that matter. So there's a difference between justification of faith and justification of works. I'm going to elaborate on that point a little bit more uh, with Abraham in a little bit, so I don't want to like step on my toes here moving forward. So we'll get back to that point in a minute. Um, but yes, he, Abraham was justified by works when he offered Isaac. So it's too often we like to take one verse and it says, well, right there, Abraham was justified by works. You didn't even take the second part of the verse. Like Sometimes sometimes we like to take one verse, sometimes we just like to take one part of a verse. When he offered Isaac, you're right, he was justified by works. But he had already at that point been justified by faith. We'll get to that in a minute. Right? We'll get to that in a minute. He had already been justified by faith. Uh, get to verse 3. Uh, it says... For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and was counted on him for righteousness. No matter what your friend down the street wants to say, right? And so I'm not going to list all the other uh, works-based religions because you all know who I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about any of them. What? Yeah, other one. Yeah, and pretty, much, uh, pretty much every other one, right? Uh, every, every one of them is off just a little bit, right? Um, no matter what your friend down the street wants to say, salvation has nothing to do with works. It never has and never will. Salvation. Has nothing to do with works, no. Uh, It has nothing to do with works. Um, It's all by faith. It always has been, and always will be. And I just feel like I needed to say that because you know I haven't said it enough. It has nothing to do with it. Uh, Verse four. Now to him that worketh is not the reward reckoned of grace, but of debt. Well, what does that mean? God will never. Let you put him in a position where he owes you anything. God's never going to let you put him in a position where he owes you anything. Here's an example I used when I was teaching this in HBI. Let's say your boss comes to you, um, if you're still working. You know, If you're not, take it as a blessing. Too often we're stressed out, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. Take it as a blessing. How, what kind of a blessing is it? I don't know. Take it as a blessing. Okay. So I'm just going to say that. Uh, say your boss comes to you this week. And he's like, you know what, man? or uh, ma'am, whichever, you know, I want to do you a favor. You've worked really hard this week, right? You've worked really hard. This coronavirus thing is going on. And it's like, I want to do you a favor. I'm going to give you a check, right? You've worked really hard. I'm going to give you a check uh, just for all your hard work. And you're thinking, man, he's going to give me a bonus, right? It's about time, right? That's what we like to think. It's about time. And so the end of the week rolls around and he gives you a check, Well, turns out it's your paycheck. But you're like, well, hang on a minute. You didn't do me a favor. You owe me this, right? I did something for you. You owed me this check. Well, guess what? God's never going to let you put Him in that position. Well, how does it relate, Jason? You worked for that paycheck, and so therefore you're owed something for it. God will never allow you to work any iota for your salvation because then He would owe you something for it. He gave it to you free. Right? Just like if the next week... At the end of the week, you went to collect your paycheck and your boss was like, yeah, I don't really feel like doing a favor this week. Well, now all of a sudden you're like, I'm glad the National Guard's in town because he's coming to get you. I'm mad. Give me my check. God's never going to allow you to put him in a position where he owes you something. That's why he doesn't allow you to work for salvation. Because if you did work for salvation, he would owe you something for it. right? This guy would work harder than this guy. We would make different money for it. And so that's why God will never allow you... what. That's something our bosses would do, right, That's exactly something my boss would do. Man, you ought to know this lady that I work for, right? (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, God will never allow you to put him in a position where where he owes you something. God doesn't owe you nothing. You know what you're owed in this life? Now, this might offend you. I can say it because you're not here. You're owed a free trip to hell. That's what you're owed. That's the only thing you're owed. You worked hard for it, and I'll give, you know, I won't. give will God will give you what you're owed. But if you choose to take it by faith, He'll give you something different. But He's not going to let you work for it. Because if you work for it, then He owes you something. All right, so I hope that analogy kind of makes sense. Verse right. 5, and then we'll get to the second point. I want to go back through this, though. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Simple belief gets you what Abraham had. Simple belief is going to get you what Abraham had. No works attached. Right? And so I do want to take just a second, and I'm already. I, the time's getting short already. Uh, we need to be careful with this easy. We'll just call it easy believism that's going around today. Right? Um, easy believism. Uh, we can call it Armenianism uh, if you want a fancy word for it. Uh, basically, it's just the fact that all i got to do is believe, you know, and then I can go back to living like hell. Well, okay, well. We're gonna fast forward just for a second to Romans chapter six. You know what Romans chapter six says? Because Paul already knew that you were gonna have this question. It says in verse one, "Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Right? Can I can just keep sinning because you know God's grace has covered me? God forbid, right? And so we'll get to that here in several weeks. But no, that's not the case. It is super easy to believe on Christ. It's super easy to bow your knee and to say, "It's super easy." I'm really glad the camera's not pointing that way. Uh, It's super easy to... Okay, so those of you who don't know, like the table just like... Big mess. (laughs) Sorry. So they're... uh, It's super easy to get saved, right? But we can't, after that, we can't take what God gave us and say, okay, now I can do whatever I want. No, once you get saved, that's when justification by works enters the picture. And that's what we need to understand. There is a time and a place for justification by works, and that's once we get saved. Okay, so it's not all about easy believism. It's simple faith. It's not works to get saved. Once you get saved, though, yeah, God would love you to do the Romans 12, 1 thing and present your body a living sacrifice for Him. Okay, moving on, because I'm running out of time already uh the cool thing is i can go long because it's not like you guys need uh, a break to you know get to the sanctuary all you got to do is like click from one feed to the other so it's all good uh i just realized i've got like 15 extra minutes so uh, anyway uh let's see uh number two so uh let's jump into this uh verse six to eight. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of, uh, of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Um, right, uh, verse eight. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So I wanted to. I, I kind of almost skipped over this. and just. Kind of through this point, kind of into the other points, but I think it's worth saying. So here's your next way that that Father Abraham, or actually we we use David on this example, then we jump back to 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 Abraham, but same same thing, guys. They're all justified by uh, or, or through their faith, right, or by their faith in in the Old Testament. Number two, salvation is only free if you don't pay for it. Now, what did I say? I said salvation is only free if you don't pay for it. Well, what does that mean? Too often in life, we see that something is free, and we try to pay for it. We're like, well, you know, if it's free, there must be a catch. What do I owe you? Right? I don't want to owe you nothing. Man, it's free. It's not just free, but it's free-free. Right? Ask Brady Barnes about that. He'll explain it to you. It's like it's like double free. It's not just free, uh, but it's a. Fr- it's not just a gift, but it's a free gift. Right, I think I said that a few weeks ago, but it's like it still rings true. Right, a gift is free because you don't have to do anything for it. If it was if it wasn't a, if it was a gift and you paid for it, it's not really a gift. Right. So too often you're like on those infomercials. They're like, we want to give you a free gift, and they're like that's not free. You're paying for it with all the other things that you're paying for. No, uh, it's a gift, so it's already free. But it's a free gift. That's what salvation is. Salvation is only free if you don't pay for it. It's worth it's worth to point out here that a free gift is only free uh, that if you don't if you don't think that you need to do something for it. That's what salvation is. is a free gift. So if you try to pay for it by doing something, by working for it, by saying, okay, God, I understand, but now I need to... No, it's nothing. You don't need to do anything. Right? It's all by faith. That's the only thing. Salvation is only free if you don't pay for it. David, if you'll remember in the Old Testament, because we're talking about David here, he committed two sins that carried the death penalty. What were they? Right, murder and adultery. Obviously, uh, adultery is the one everybody knows with Bathsheba. He's sitting in his house, you know, checking out the, the gal next door, bathing on the roof, uh, and so when he should have been out to war. But then later on, he uh, murders her husband to, to try to make it work out. And then later on, even yet, he has the death of uh, thousands of men on his... Uh, Uh, on his chest for numbering the people when he shouldn't have. Right? He had two things that were uh, in the Old Testament um, that carried the death penalty. So you know how he got out of it? Because if you read, David was counted for righteousness. Right? David was okay with God. Well, how does that work out? How does that work out? Well, you know how he, he, he got out of it? It was not by having a perfect lamb to come and offer to God. It was not by having the perfect sacrifice to come and offer to God. Too often, that's what we think. I did something wrong. I need to make the perfect sacrifice. I need to try harder. I need to give a little more. I need to, you know, say so many Hail Marys. I need to, you know, give so much in penance. Or, you know, y'all know the where I'm where I'm hitting at here. Um, he had. There was nothing he could do. You know how he did it. God forgave David on the basis of his faith in God, not on the basis of what he could offer. The same way. You might say, well, how does that work? The same way that God can go in the prison and forgive the guy who has done the unthinkable. Not by what he can offer, but by his simple faith in it. Right? Does that mean that there shouldn't be a law that goes along in the country that we live in? No. Right? There are people in prison that deserve to be in prison. That does not mean they don't deserve salvation. Right? That's That's just the way that it works out. Okay? And so salvation is only free if we don't pay for it David could have tried really hard to pay for his sin but he didn't right go back to Psalms and you can read some of the things that uh, you know David cried out you know in repentance for what he had done right it's only a free gift if you don't pay for it salvation is only free to you if you don't try to work for it and like I said I, I, I did want to take a point um, to to talk about that, right? We need to we need to stop trying to offer what we can do for God and instead just receive what he's already done for us. So, uh, there's not a lot there, but I did want to point that out because too often even in the church, we try to pay for something that's free. Moving on. Number 3, verse 9. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? So Paul's like, okay, I already know my Jewish friends are confused, right? My Jewish friends that they're not picking up what I'm throwing down. Cometh this blessedness upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? Verse ten. When he was in, uh, in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So you might just say, what in the world did you just say other than circumcision a whole bunch of times? Right? Well, let me explain it to you. Right? Here's number three. Here's number three. Salvation is not for only a select group of people. Salvation is not for only a select group of people. It's not for just the affluent people. It's not just for the poor people. It's not just for the white people. It's not just for the black people. It's not just for the whoever, right? I read uh, uh, an article last night about how this virus that's going around uh, is going to be what divides the world completely. Right, it does more dividing than it does killing. Right, it divides the younger generation from the older generation. Right, it divides the uh, uh, people by race uh, because you know it's this race. I mean, come on, guys, really? It doesn't make sense. It's 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 dividing men from women. For some reason, this thing is killing a whole lot more men than it does women. Uh, At the end of the day, I don't. This thing is dividing us. What, What do we need to do as the church? Not let it divide us. Right? Not let us divide us. You want to know? Stepping aside from this point for a second. You want to know why it's so important for us to continue to meet as a church? Right? You want to know why it's so important? Well, because the Bible says we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You're right. It does say that. It does say that. You want to know why it's so important? Because if we just say, you know what, guys, it's really important for us to stay home. Um, and so we're going to live stream, but you know, we'll just check back in on you uh, when you come back to church. You know, That might be six months from now. Who knows? I have no idea. That time frame is not, that's just a number I threw out, guys. So it's not like something I know. Um, there's a reason why we don't do that. What happened in the book of Judges? Right? When there was no king in Israel, not that Brian is your king. That's not what I'm trying to get at. When there was no king in Israel, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Right? When all of a sudden, the men of the church have no direction, have no vision, they start to fall away. And so if the men are falling away, the women and the children, they have no one to follow in the home. Right? The picture of Christ in the church is gone. And so they're doing all that was right in their own eyes. We're going to go right back to the book of Judges. Right, And so that is why it's important for us. Even if I get on here every week and we preach digitally, I hope it works, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to continue to call y'all. I'm not going to just you know show up at your house and talk to you through your you know your your front door. Uh, to make sure that we're still accountable hey what's going on in your life hey where are you reading hey how's things going because we're not going to get to a point where every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes that's what the devil wants to use this as but that's what we're not going to allow to happen because we are the body of Christ this building has nothing to do with it it has nothing to do with it praise God that we have a building and I hope that you all take that a little more seriously now but, but that's not what we're talking about so anyway i got to get back on track Salvation is not for only a select group of people. Who you are has nothing to do with your ability to get saved. Did you know that just because you're rich, you don't get saved any easier? Actually, the Bible says that the rich man struggles a little harder to get saved. Right? It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Um, (laughs) It's really hard to... I was like whispering back there, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Share with the class. Uh, It doesn't matter... Who you are. right? That's the freedom that comes with salvation. You know why it's so liberating to go to some place like India and go into the slums and tell these people that if you get saved, you're on the same playing field as everybody else? Because they've been told their entire life that they'll never be anything. right? There are people in America whose daddies tell them as kids, you'll never be anything. And then they hear the gospel and they find out, wait a minute, I can be anything I want to be. Right? I can do anything I want to do through Christ. Right? It's amazing. It's liberating. It's liberating. It's not just for a select group of people. That's the freedom that comes with it. The Jews wanted to keep it to themselves but because they had God's, God's sign of circumcision. So let's let's look at that for a minute. Because circumcision, circumcision, what is it talking about, right? The Jews were like, hey, we got the sign of circumcision, so why are you trying to take Abraham and put it on yourself? Well, let me let's talk about that for a minute. Compare when God says it was counted unto him for righteousness, to when he was actually circumcised. So we know that Abraham's faith was counted unto him for righteousness when? In Genesis chapter 12, right? I think, I'm pretty sure it was 12, when, when God says, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and to the land that I will show thee. And then Abraham says, Okay, I'll do that. And then you know what God says? I will count it unto you for righteousness. That's when he gives him the Abrahamic covenant. He says, I'm going to give you, if you remember back from the study in Genesis, a name, a land, a seed, and a blessing. Right? That's the covenant. That's the four points of the covenant. Right? And so he says, I'm going to count that unto you for righteousness just simply because you believed what I said. That right there would be the moment of Abraham's salvation. Right? If we're going to call it salvation like we get it today. When he believed by faith what God said enough to do it, That's when salvation happened. Okay, so they're like, well, what about his circumcision? That didn't happen until years later, right? The circumcision is simply a sign of what has already happened. The Jews are like, well, we're circumcised. We've got the sign. Who cares? Right? Well, let's go back to your daddy Abraham, right? Good old Abraham. That's what you guys want to use. And let's talk about him for a minute. He was he was it was counted unto him for righteousness way before circumcision ever happened. Now you're right, there is a sign that goes with it. We'll talk about that sign a little bit more in the next point. But but it happened before then, right? That's why they're like this. So is this for the uncircumcision only or for the circumcision? Paul's like, hey, this is for everybody. It's for everybody. Whether you've been circumcised or not, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, it's for everybody. It's all by faith. Just in case you're wondering, still, class, it's all by faith. That's what Paul's trying to say. It's all by faith. The sign is simply a picture of what has already happened. Right? When a person gets saved, they were then in turn supposed to be Circumcised, right? Because they were of the Jewish descent, God had selected a, a chosen people. They were all supposed to follow God. Well, guess what? They all didn't. So really, that meant that their sign really didn't mean anything because they were circumcised anyway. But the sign is simply a picture of what's already happened. So let's let's take this point right here, this circumcision point, and let's roll it right into number four, so I can explain this even a little bit better to you, right? So let's move on a little bit more. They're like, is it for the circumcision or the uncircumcision or what exactly are we talking about? Well, here let's let's explain it a little more in verse eleven. And he received the sign of circumcision, right? So that would be the actual physical, right? The sign. And so you all know what that is. I don't need to explain it to you graphically, right? What that is, that was a, I mean, there's a lot of things God could have chosen as a sign. I don't know why he chose that, right? I plan on asking when I get there. Like, why did that have to be the sign? Right? But anyway, uh, that was the sign, you know? And so anyway... And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet, being uncircumcised. Did you hear what I just said? He had it already, being uncircumcised. He was sealed. What do we say when we get saved? Your signed, sealed and delivered, right? You are sealed under the blood of Christ. You are sealed before the sign, right? That is why. Well, I'll get to that point in a minute. Um, you're sealed at the time, right? It says that. Uh, that he uh, let's see uh, and he received the sign of circumcision to seal the righteousness of faith which he had yet being uncircumcised that he might be the father of them all that believe notice he was supposed to be the, the Jews like to say well because Abraham's our father we uh, we're all saved right we're all uh, just put into God's kingdom they skip this point it says to all that believe right <laughs> you had to believe first. Right. They were like, "Well, I'm circumcised, so I'm good to go." That's like being—that's like saying, "Well, I'm baptized, I'm good to go." If you're not saved first, it didn't matter. I'm <laughs> saying. I'm just saying. Uh, we'll get Meredith verse references in Genesis for justification of circumcision. Uh, I'll get them in just a minute. Um, so uh, she pretty much just gave them to the class. So uh, uh, she texted me. She didn't want to show a comment. Why? Oh, why? Tell her yeah. just to comment it. Yeah, I just started to comment it. Everybody wants it, Meredith. Got yeah. It. Okay, so just just comment that on the comment section, Meredith, instead of that'd be good. Um, so anyway, uh, so it says, uh, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of, of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of them that believe, though they uh, be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. You know what that means? That means that even if you are not a Jew you're still saved by faith. That's what he's talking about. Verse 12. And the father of circumcision to them uh, who are not of the circumcision only uh, but also who walk in the steps uh, of that faith of our father Abraham which he had being yet uncircumcised. So long story short what that that right there is trying to tell you is that Abraham now this is going to offend your Jewish friends maybe the Jews that are watching that we don't know. Uh, Everybody's looking at Chris. Uh... Abraham's not just the father of the Jews. Abraham is the father of faith. <laughs> Abraham is the father of what? both of her hands just spontaneously broke. Abraham is no, it's not. Uh, Abraham is the father of faith, right? He's not the father of just the Jews. He's the father of faith. He's he's just as much a picture of a spiritual father to you as a Gentile as is as the Jews. So number four salvation is what saves you not the sign of salvation salvation is what saves you not the sign of salvation right what what this is showing is that the quote unquote sign circumcision right has nothing to do with the quote unquote act of salvation the act of salvation is just simply bowing your knee just simply confessing with your mouth right there is no work that goes into it what this is showing is that the sign the outward appearance has nothing to do with the act. The inward appearance. You picking up what I'm throwing down here? Uh, I know what you're already thinking, though, because you know I already know circumcision's not assigned to us. So why are we talking about it? Because we're not Jews, Jason. So can we just move past the circumcision talk? Because it's making me uncomfortable. I already know. I already know where y'all are at, right? Well, here, let me explain to you. We, as the church, also have a sign. What is it? we as the church also have a sign we're not commanded to once you get saved get circumcised praise God right we're not commanded that why is it what, what is our sign anybody going to comment that I already know Chris I'm know the answer what is our sign you yeah um, salvation is what saves you not the sign of salvation anybody comment what's our sign as the church anybody I think it's still kind of like... that's fine I'm, I'm waiting for people to catch up I want to hear Somebody type it in. Salvation is what saves you, not the sign of salvation. Yes. Anyone got it? What's the sign that the church has? (coughs) Still nothing. Uh, All right. baptism. Baptism. Baptism is correct. Right, doing a good job, David. Uh, baptism is correct. We have a sign also. It's baptism. There's something wrong with this coffee. I don't know. It does not taste normal. It's the cups because that that plastic spoon melted on the element. Everything tastes like melted plastic. I don't know, but my coffee does not taste like normal, and it is, it is wigging me out. Sorry, it has nothing to do with fast point, but it's like anyway. Uh, our, so okay, I gotta get to this. The church also has a sign that's baptism. Once you get saved, what are you commanded to do? What's the first act of obedience, class? It's baptism, right? Why do we get baptized? Because it, you know, it, it makes me feel a little more saved. No, right? No, absolutely not. Baptism is simply a picture of what has already happened. You were buried in the likeness of his death. Likeness of his death. You're raised in the likeness of his glorious resurrection. It's a picture of what's already happened, right? That's what happens. Your baptism isn't what saves you any more than circumcision saves a Jew. Now, I don't think you quite heard me. Your baptism isn't what saves you any more than circumcision saves a Jew. They're both just a sign, right? So when you're reading through this and it's like circumcision this, circumcision that, what the world is it talking about, it's talking about the sign. And the Jews are trying to hold to their sign instead of their salvation. Maybe because they don't have a salvation, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, right? So when you jumped into the baptism tank before you're truly saved, what really happened, right? Some of you already know where I'm going to go with this. If you got baptized before you were saved, do you want to know what happened? It washed all your sins away, right? Absolutely not. You know what happened? You took a public bath. That's what happened. You got wet. That's what happened. The water did nothing for you. The same way that the water does nothing for you after you're saved. It's a picture. So are you saying that if I got baptized before I got saved and then I got and then I really got saved, I gotta get rebaptized? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Because your first baptism meant nothing. It was a sign of nothing. Baptism is a sign of what has already happened. Right? The outward sign is there to show an inward change. So if there hasn't been an inward change, the outward sign doesn't show anything. Let me have, I have another question. Is it possible? To have the inward change without the outward sign. Is it possible to have the inward change without the outward sign? Yes, absolutely. How do I know that? Because sometimes, after you get saved, it's days, weeks, or even months later before somebody gets baptized. Does that make their salvation of less effect? No. Absolutely not. Wrong. Right. There are people that didn't even get baptized. Now, we don't recommend that, but you got the people on the cross that get saved. And Jesus says what to him? Today, I'll see you in paradise. Right? It's, you're able to have the inward change without the outward sign. Now, obviously, we want to have the outward sign because why?
1: Because it proves
0: what Christ has done in our life. It says, hey, I'm a member of this body, right? Hold me accountable. Hey, I'm a member of this body. Let's work together. Hey, I'm a member of this body. What can we do corporately together? That's what baptism does. It shows I'm relating to what has already happened. The Jews want to take their sign, circumcision, and hold to the sign more than they do the inward change. The same thing they like to do with the law. The Jews have two major hang-ups, man. It's their sign, circumcision, and it's their law. They're like, man, i got these two things. I'll just keep these two things and everything will be good. And God's like, wait a minute. Oh, you're totally missing the point, guys. You're totally missing the point. And that kind of gets us right into the last point, and I'll wrap it up quick, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, verse 13 to 17. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. It wasn't given to him because the law said it was given to him. It was given to him because of his faith. For if they which were of the law be heirs, faith is made void. And the promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is a faith that it might be uh, by grace, and to the end, end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to uh, that only which is of the law, but to that also which is a faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse seventeen: As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him, uh, whom uh, be—I'm sorry—before him, uh, whom had believed, even God, who hath quickened the dead, and called those things which could not be uh, as though though they were. So, what does that mean? Well, just like I was just saying, he's like, I want to bring up the law just real quick and kind of wrap this whole thing up with Abraham as your example. So here's number five. Here's the fifth way that Abraham points you back to your salvation, right? Salvation brings us into God's one true family. It doesn't bring us into the Jewish salvation. It doesn't bring us into whatever. It, it, salvation brings us into God's one true family. Right? The law is there for what? It's there to point us back to God. The law is there to display God's righteousness, not impart it. Let me say that again. The law is there to display God's righteousness, not impart it. The speed limit sign is there to display what righteousness looks like. If you follow it, Chris looks at me like, yeah, if you would just follow the speed limit. If you follow the speed limit, you are displaying righteousness. I'm able to keep the law. It doesn't impart it. Just because the speed limit sign's there doesn't mean you're going to follow it. It displays the righteousness. It doesn't impart it. You know what imparts it? The state trooper that says, Hey, come back to my car and let me show you what the radar gun says. That imparts righteousness. The speed limit sign does not do anything other than display it. Right? The state trooper imparts it. This is what impart <laughs> righteousness imparting looks like. You're speeding, there's a law, you broke it, now this is the consequence. Right? Does that make sense? I hope that kind of makes sense. Keeping the law I think you guys know this, is not what makes you a true follower. But instead, having the law shows you why you should be a true follower. Keeping the law is not what makes you a true follower, but having the law shows you why you should be a true follower. That's the whole point. The Jews had the law as their claim to fame, right? They're like, we've got circumcision, we've got the law, we've got God, right? We're good to go. And Paul's like, hang on a minute. You got the law, but it was there to point you back to Christ. And you've got circumcision, which was supposed to be a sign of what's already happened. And nothing's happened. Y'all are lost. That's what he's trying to tell you. They had the law to claim to fame, but it wasn't really any different for us than it was for them. It has been. It always will be by grace alone, through faith alone. That's how this thing works, guys. Paul's like, hey, at the end of chapter 3, there's some good news salvation's for everybody. He gives those terms, those ten terms we looked at, and it's like, yes, I have something that I can hold to. Yes. But, we get to chapter 4, and he's like, I already know you guys got this thing all jacked up. Right? So here's what I'm trying to say to, 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 to wrap this whole point up. Because I, I want to make sure that I wrap up this whole Abraham thing the best way that I can. If you have any questions, you can type them in. Um, but let me try to wrap this thing up. Abraham was saved by faith or through faith he was saved by faith right it wasn't circumcision it wasn't his keeping of the law it wasn't his good works Uh, his works came along later when he offered Isaac that was way after he got saved no different than when a Christian gets saved their works come along afterwards faith was imparted to him when he simply believed what God said right and so what what are you trying to say Jason break it down you're over time tell me what you're trying to say Salvation in the Old Testament is no different than salvation in the New Testament. That's what I'm trying to say. It's all faith. It always has been faith. Now, in the Old Testament, they did according to their faith. right? God said, hey, sacrifice this lamb. God said, hey, strike the blood upon the doorpost. God said, hey... Uh, you know uh, we got to send somebody in once a year uh, to cover for your sins right we got to have the we got to have the scapegoat we got to have the the sacrificial lamb those were things right those things only did their job if you believed it enough that it was going to work right salvation only happens if you believe what God actually said you don't just say hey the church says I need to get saved so yeah give me some of that but nothing changes in your life because I don't really think it's going to work You didn't get saved. You said words. I just offended somebody. And that's okay. Because salvation happens when there's a broken and contrite heart. When there's a change of mind that leads to a change of action. Right, that's what happens. That's what repentance is. Repentance happens after salvation, but it's like the first thing that happens after salvation because it's a natural reaction. Uh, it's like the op- it's like the, the the ball swinging back on uh, the little pendulum Newton's law thing. I don't know. It's it's like I don't know. I've got some things confused, but anyway, it's the natural uh, uh, reaction to what happens. The Old Testament people got saved the same way we did. You're like, well, wait a minute. Jesus hadn't come yet. Now, this is something for you to ponder this week, and so this is going to be an assignment I haven't uh, given you yet, and you might be like, well, that's easy. Well, it's easy for those of you who aren't going to do it, because you're going to be like, yeah, I said I did it, but it's, it's going to be harder for those of you who take this seriously. Obviously, I want you to read chapter 4 uh, some more times, right? Instead of watching the TV, you read Romans, I'm telling you, get in the Word, Um Start, start finding some key verses, right? Key words. Um, but here's what I really want you to do. I want you to meditate this week. And you're like, what? Do I got to sit down like the, uh, the Buddhist monk? No. Meditate just means to, to take one thought and just really roll it around in your head. Really try to knock the edges off this thing. And here's what I want you to try to, to think through. So the Old Testament people got saved the same... I just told you this, right? The Old Testament people got saved the same way that, that we do today. It's all by faith correct it's all by faith so how exactly um, how exactly does that work I'm trying to get my thought back in my head um, because I don't have this written down um, I want you to kind of think through what is what does that mean uh, for them how does that work because and here's my thought it came back to me I knew if I like worded it long enough it would come back Christ came when Matthew, Mark, Luke and John right all at the same time those books happen simultaneously the New Testament started when? Not when your book, your Bible says New Testament to Old, or Old Testament to New Testament. It actually happened at the death of Christ. Uh, that might be a shocker to somebody. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about that later. I really want you to think about so if Christ came and that Christ is what saved us, right? We know that. And I just told you a few minutes ago that the Old Testament people got saved the same way that New Testament people get saved. Did Christ have anything to do With Old Testament people's salvation. And start thinking through that. Start rolling that, because I can give you an answer right now. But I want you to kind of start working through this, because you have to remember, and I'll give you some key points to think, to to kind of use as you roll through this. God is all knowing, God is all powerful. Um, There is no time frame with God, right? There is no beginning and there is no end. Uh, He is the Alpha and the Omega. God knew how this whole thing was going to work out. So, knowing that knowing that there is no time restraints did christ play a role in in the salvation of the old or the old testament saints right And just kind of think through that. And and there is no wrong answer. Uh, I'll give you the right answer um, next week. But it doesn't mean that if you don't have the same line of thinking that you're wrong. I I really do want you to work through this in your head. And some of you are going to be like, sweet, check, done my homework already, I thought through it. Okay, when I say meditate on something, it really means to think through it and to work through it in your head. So uh, be thinking through that um, because this is where we're going to get a little deeper in Romans because it'd be really easy to teach through it, but I want you guys to understand what exactly was going on um, in heaven and and on earth throughout time. And so uh, with that, let's pray. I went over. Uh, You need to, as soon as we get done praying, uh, get switched over to the live feed. And uh, I'm pretty sure we're doing praise like normal and and everything. So uh, that means you have to sing out loud and proud in your living room, right? Uh, However, I'm I'm serious. That's, That's what church would look like if you were here. Right, and we just said churches in a building. So if you're going to sit in your living room and not sing, um, you're doing it wrong. Just saying. Okay, so let's pray. Uh, was there any questions, Paige, that have come up that I need to answer before I get done? I didn't catch five. Okay, point five. Uh, salvation brings us into God's one true family. Salvation brings us into God's one true family. Not like the Jew family or the Gentile family, or it's God's one true family. We're all under Abraham being the father of faith. Okay, let's pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for uh, just the technology to be able to uh, speak to your people, um, uh, covering a wide uh, area. And so, God, I do pray that your word uh, is just as permanent uh, in the homes of the believer as it is in the church of the uh, of the believer. And so. God, I do pray that uh, You would just um, be with our country, and uh, be with the world at this time, uh, allow us to uh, be light in a dark world. Uh, this is really a good time to share the Gospel. Uh, and you might say that this is hard. Uh, that's hard, and I don't understand that. But God, I do pray that You would get the honor and the glory for it. Lord, I do pray for the people who are struggling with this, the people who may get this. Lord, people in the church will get this. It's just it's, it's a matter of time. And so God, I pray that uh, we would... Uh, just uh, lean on you through it, that you will get the honor and the glory from our for our lives, Lord. I pray that you do, as I pray every week. Send us this out this week as life in a dark world. That you would just get the honor and the glory from our lives, God. Uh, I pray that uh, we would check on check in on each other, uh, that we would be uh, reaching out to each other, that we would be um, just really. Uh, more of your body uh, corporately than we are when we're here. Uh, because this is the time that we really need to be uh, leaning on one another uh, as we lean on Christ. So, God, I pray that you just speak to us today uh, through Pastor Brian's message, uh, that we would all just be attentive and, and ready to hear it. And I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, God,